Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. For more information and to donate online, go to 3cr.org.au. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Dirt Radio. Organic. Friends of the Earth. Activism. Underground. Political action. Necessary. Wind farms. Indigenous struggles. Land rights. Anti-nuclear. Nanotechnology. Climate change. Coal barons. Mining magnates. Activists. Educating. Communities. Transforming. Communities. Mobilising a sustainable planet. Get involved now. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. Good morning and welcome to Dirt Radio, Friends of the Earth's radio show on 3CR. We're coming to you live from the studio on Wurundjeri land in the Kulin Nations and I'd like to pay uh, pay respects to elders, not just from Wurundjeri but, from, but the elders from wherever you're listening from right across the country uh, and online. Uh, sovereignty of these lands was never ceded. This year at Friends of the Earth, we're celebrating 45 years of resistance. For 45 years, we've been mobilising communities, resisting the oppressive forces of patriarchy and capitalism, and transforming our future to see efficient communities powered 100% by renewable energy. My name's Megan, and I'm your host for today, and with me in the studio is Yes to Renewables coordinator, Pat Simons. Good morning to you. Good morning, Megan. How are you going today? I'm pretty good. Had a little tea before, had a morning coffee, you know. Yeah. Probably need some more caffeine at some point. All but set I'm okay. for the day. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Now, last week on the show, we learned about the new plan or Friends of the Earth's new plan to transform Victoria whilst reducing emissions. And today on the show, we will be drilling down, uh, for what, drilling down into what that means for communities on the front line. Pat has been out in East Gippsland where big wind projects are opening doors on climate action and jobs. Looking forward to hearing more about that after this community service announcement. Victoria's roadside drug testing program is not about road safety. In last year's governmental inquiry into drug law reform, it was noted that Victoria's RDT program is falling behind on latest evidence regarding impairment. Currently, Victoria Police can charge people for detection of either cannabis, amphetamines or MDMA. But those detections do not correlate with impairment. Impaired drivers should be removed from the roads and that's why we're urging an inquiry into Victoria's RDT scheme to ensure that the resources that are currently employed to make our roads safer are being properly used to make our roads safer. Help us refocus road safety onto what makes roads safe. Sign the e-petition parliament.vic.gov.au forward slash council forward slash petitions and look for the Inquiry into Drug Driving Reform, Petition 117. A 3CR supporter. Welcome back. Uh, And today on the show we are taking a peek behind the curtain at what energy transition really looks like in Victoria. Last week we talked about our new plan to transform the state Uh, and this week we're here with Pat Simons from Yes to Renewables to learn how communities on the front lines are going about it. So to start us off, Pat, uh, can you remind our listeners what the plan to transform Victoria was all about? 
Yeah, sure. So the 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 document um, transforming Victoria it was really an attempt to try and uh, set out a Green New Deal style vision for the state. So people might be familiar with the Green New Deal, which is um, an idea that's coming out of the US, and there's a lot of excitement around that, which is really around having. Um, a visionary bold plan to tackle the reality of the climate crisis. And, I mean, I've always been a little bit confused about what the Green New Deal actually is. Mm -hmm. So it's a plan to um, transition the whole economy. But what, like, can you give us any more details about what that actually means? Yeah, sure. And it's, you know, that's kind of one of the characteristics of the Green New Deal. It's like everybody kind of has their own version of what it is and nobody really knows what it is, but they all know it's exciting. Uh, so that actually is a part of its charm. Uh, but I would say that the main thing is really like it's about facing the reality of the crisis that we're in when it comes to the realities of climate change. This is a serious crisis and we have to massively ramp up action if we're going to prevent the worst impacts of climate change that have been predicted by scientists. So the Green New Deal says we have to take that seriously, we have to massively mobilise society, but we need to do that in a way that is fair and just and brings communities on board and creates you know, sustainable um, livelihoods for, for workers and, and the whole society. So that's kind of the overarching framework. Um, and there's some specific things that come out of that in the US proposal, which is the idea of a jobs guarantee, which would basically say we're going to act on climate change, but we can we will guarantee that everybody can have a job in action on climate change, whether that's renewable energy, energy efficiency, public transport, whatever. So that's kind of the broad strokes. And with transforming Victoria, um, you know, the plan that we released recently, we were really kind of trying to take some of those ideas ideas and think about how we might actually put them into practice in reality here in Victoria. Mm, and so how are we doing that? Yeah, that's a good question. I think at, at the moment, uh, you know, we've, we're, we're already kind of, if you look at the campaigns at Friends of the Earth and how we are connected to all the different processes, whether that's the energy system or public advocating for renewable energy or public transport, in a way, we're already doing that across all our different campaigns. So um, the report is a way to bring it all together and kind of make sense at that big scale. Um, but a big part of it is really around the energy transition, uh, particularly in the Latrobe Valley. So the Latrobe Valley uh, has historically been the source of um, coal-fired power in the state. So they've powered the state for... Um, several decades, uh, but obviously with climate change, we know we need to shift out of coal and and have a phase transition of coal-fired power stations basically as soon as possible. If we listen to the science, we would close the coal-fired power stations yesterday and then deal with the, the problems. But, you know, we need to sh shift out of coal as soon as possible, but we need to do that in a way that is fair and just. And we've, we believe that, you know, creating good, sustainable jobs for that region is really important. And so what are the opportunities um, that are presenting themselves to create that transition? Yeah, it's a really good question. So, you know, his, the last few years in Victoria, it's interesting because most of the renewable energy projects that have been built are all in Western Victoria. If you looked at a map of all the wind farms, you'd see lots of dots in Western Victoria. And there's a couple of dots um, in, in Gippsland, but more recently, um, there's two major projects that are really interesting. So one of them is the Delburn Wind Farm, 
which is uh, a wind farm proposed in a pine plantation south of Morewell. So, you know, if if it goes ahead and it's built, you'll be able to look across and you'll see there's a coal-fired power station over there, including the recently closed Hazelwood coal plant. And then you'll be able to look over to this side of the horizon and you'll see a wind farm. So it'll really symbolically show this is the transition in process. Uh, the other major project is the Star of the South offshore wind farm, which is proposed off Gippsland South, like um, about 10 to 25 kilometres offshore near the near Port Albert. So both of these projects are interesting because in the past, uh, it's been more difficult to make the case that renewable energy would benefit the Latrobe Valley. And so if we need to transition, it's like, what are going to be the new sources of jobs? So projects and, like this provide that opportunity. And what, what were the holdback holdups in the past stopping renewable energy in the valley? I guess there's a whole range of different things. You know, it's we had a hold up in renewable energy in Victoria. So when Abbott was in power, they, you know, the government, the federal government almost, you know, destroyed the entire sector. So there was that broader threat. And um, historically as well, you know, there's, there just hasn't been the technology to access higher wind speeds. Um, they haven't necessarily... So are you saying yeah. it was it was considered too windy in... Uh, more that, you know, you need to have tall turp, like tall towers in order to access average winds, like the wind speeds that you need to have an effective wind farm. So that's really, that's, there's high availability of that in Western Victoria. Um, it's probably worth getting a technical specialist on to explain some of the reasons, but I think that transmission would also have something to do with it. Cause at the moment we've got all these coal plants there that are producing power. You can't just add heaps of more electricity producers into the same lines, but after the closure of the Hazelwood coal plant, um, there's more availability on the transmission lines. Mm. And then with the offshore wind farm, that's obviously offshore, so it's it's much larger turbines. They can access much higher wind speeds. So, yeah, largely economics. Mm. And on that, um, the Delburn wind farm is proposed 53 turbines that will be up to 250 metres tall, mm -hmm. um, where previously the tallest wind farm, oh, sorry, wind turbines has been about 80 metres. Mm -hmm. um, how much power can this generate? So with the current project, 53 turbines uh, would generate around 300 megawatts. Uh, so I don't have And what the... does that mean? Like what, what kind of output was Hazelwood putting out? So Hazelwood is more around my understanding. I don't have the notes on me now. I think it was around 1,200 to 1,500 megawatts. So Delburn is a fraction of, of like a, a coal-fired power station. But if you look at Star of the South, so that's, that's a two-gigawatt project. So, you know, with a wind farm, it's not generating electricity all the time. But that you could argue that that is the equivalent of a baseload coal fire, baseload power station. Mm. So, but renewable energy is different. We don't we don't build one one wind farm to power the whole state. It's spread across the whole state and across regions, and that means that the benefits are flowing across the state rather than being concentrated in one area. But with these two projects, they are real opportunities to actually seize the benefits for those communities who previously have not been able to 
be part of that energy transition. So, And so how is that being received by these communities? Yeah, that's a good question. So there's a whole range. So um, particularly with the offshore wind farm, people just love that. And they look at that and that's a visionary project. Um, it's probably going to require local manufacturing, whether that's the towers or the blades or the wind turbine hubs. So a really big job creator. So people are really looking at it as a huge opportunity for transitioning fossil fuel workers out of that sector into renewable energy. And then with Delburn, it's really interesting because they have this model where um, they open, they're opening shares to the local community. So the project will act, will be open to local community members becoming part owners in the project. So that's really exciting. Um, you get a whole bunch of different views. Some people are concerned, oh, it might make me sick or something like that which is a common um, myth that we hear about wind farms. But there are a lot of community members who are also really excited about what this means for action on climate change in the region. Mm. And um, so it's great that there are opportunities for people to uh, have ownership over local infrastructure and people excited about climate change. Um, but are there are there any other drawbacks to to putting wind farms in the in this area? Um, no, not really. I mean, it's in a pine plantation, which is uh, if you were going to choose a, a location, that probably makes the most sense. Why is that? Well, it's further away from communities. It's um, in an area. It's not disturbing any existing use of the land. So sometimes one of the myths about renewable energy is that it might prevent you from using productive agricultural land. That doesn't really play into to this particular wind farm. Um, it's in a place that has good wind speed, so it's, it's a good location for it. And the other advantage is you have the transmission lines right there. So rather than having to build new transmission lines to find new places, you can use existing infrastructure. So that actually makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. Um and uh, what about the these coal generators? What's what's going to happen to them? Are they being handled safely? Are they um, closing down with relative um, speed so that the wind farms can come in? At the moment, there's no plan for phasing out coal. Like we just don't have a plan. So that's that's part of the idea of the transforming Victoria. Um, vision is that we actually need a plan to phase out these coal-fired power stations to act on climate change. State government or the federal government are not providing that plan. Um, at the moment, we are in the midst of an unplanned transition that's largely based on the movement of um, capital in a privatised electricity market. So yeah, there really isn't a plan. We're also seeing that as the coal-fired power stations get older and older, you know, these are, they're decades old. Uh, they're continuing to have breakdowns, um, serious faults. So last year, um, the Australia Institute did a bunch of research looking at coal and gas-fired power stations across the country, and there was 135 breakdowns at different fossil fuel generators. So these are the these are the these are the um, forms of energy that are supposed to be reliable um, and stable, but actually they're quite unreliable. And just last week, we saw that there was a major breakdown 
at the Yulon coal-fired power station. And there's already a serious breakdown at the Loyang coal-fired power station. These are our two, one of, two of the main ways that we're generating electricity in the state. And so that raises a lot of questions, just not even from a climate change perspective, but just in terms of how we actually produce power, where is it going to come from? So, yeah, that's a serious issue. And um, have we seen any movement uh, after releasing this plan? Are people, is it being well received? Yeah, it's. I think from the people that we've shared it with, there's there's a lot of good feedback, uh, a lot of interest from from unions, other environment groups, um, government around, particularly around how do we create sustainable jobs for people in these regions. Um, the the issue for the Latrobe Valley is not just about the phased closure of coal-fired power stations. Like this is a region that it was hit hard by privatization. So all of these coal-fired generators, they were originally state-owned, privatized in the 90s, and thousands of people lost their jobs. So that had a big economic impact in the region. Um, so it's not just the um, fossil fuels that people are transitioning from, it's the problems of privatization. And it's not only the fossil fuel workers who need alternative jobs, it's people in the general community, it's, it's, there's a very high unemployment rate. So people are really interested in this stuff. And renewable energy is one aspect of that. But then there's other things like electric vehicle manufacturing, uh, sustainable agriculture, um, changing the way that for forestry is managed. So transition is not just about, oh, we're going to build a wind farm and give some extra jobs because the coal plant closed. That's great. But it's more about that broader um, mosaic of different options that is actually more sustainable overall than simply relying on a um, polluting form of electricity. Mm. And, of course, you're the coordinator of the Yes Renewables campaign mm -hmm. at Friends of the Earth. Uh, what are you um, focusing on at the moment and how can people get involved? So the focus at the moment is really on supporting community groups in that region that want to champion champion renewable energy. So um, there's a group that's starting up at the moment. They're called the Streslecky Sustainable Futures Group. So they're based in the area around that proposed Delburn wind farm. So we'll be working working with them and supporting them and giving them skills. Um, and we're also working closely with different local environment groups and unions throughout the region, engaging them on how do we make the most out of things like Star of the South. So that's kind of the overall vision of how to how to actually make the transition work for people and work for communities. Um, the way that people can get involved, if you're in Melbourne, you can come along to our regular collective meetings every Tuesday, 6pm at Friends of the Earth. And if you're in the regions, um, you know, if you're in Gippsland, there's a screening of the 2040 film uh, in Morwell uh, this Wednesday, 7pm at Village Cinemas. And there'll also be a wind farm tour at, um, at the Bald Hills Wind Farm on 26th and 27th of July. So different things if you're in regional vehicle or if you're in Melbourne. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show today, Pat. My pleasure. Um, and we look forward to getting an update on how the communities are handling the transition in the future. Cool. Cool. We'll be back after this community service announcement. It will be worth the effort to get to Darwin from the 2nd to the 4th of August for the Independent and Peaceful Australia Network's National Conference. Australia at the Crossroads. 
time for an independent foreign policy. Held under the ominous shadow of US-China contention and US-Australia military exercises for war on China, discussion and speakers will address the social and economic cost of militarism to Australia, the impact of militarism on the environment, and the dangers posed to our peace and security by stationing US troops in Darwin. For more details, head to the Independent and Peaceful Australia Network's website at ipan.org.au. IPAN is a 3CR supporter. You're listening to Dirt Radio on 3CR with Megan. Uh, we have just been chatting with Yes Renewables coordinator Pat Simons about the energy transition that is well underway in the Latrobe Valley in Victoria and what, commu- what communities are doing to make the most of the opportunities in the process. Of course, if you miss the interview or any of our shows, you can catch up on the podcasts available at 3cr.org.au forward slash dirt radio. Uh, and the uh, Radiothon is almost complete. If you haven't had a chance yet to power Radical Radio, we are still just a smidgen away from our $900 target. You can call up the you can call up 3CR today on 9419 8377 to make your pledge to keep Radical Radio alive. We are, as I said, about $100 away from our target. So if you're listening, give us a buzz and help us get there. And coming up at Friends of the Earth, uh, there is an Act on Climate film night on Saturday in the Yami Lester Room. It's on the 20th of July, Saturday night. And we will be watching or talking about how we keep the morale high while tackling the climate crisis. We do that by getting together and having some fun and appreciating our beautiful planet. Planet, The Act on Climate Collective would like to invite you to join us for a cosy night of food and drink and maybe a little bit of David Attenborough. Um, so uh, if that sounds like fun to you, jump online. Spaces are limited. So secure your seat at actonclimate.org.au. And also coming up is our community action training, Get Shit Done. That is uh, the following Saturday, uh, July 27, at 10 a.m. till 5 p.m. It's a full day at the Multicultural Hub in the Melbourne CBD. We are living in times of climate and ecological crisis. Between the emerging climate chaos, insect Armageddon and the waste crisis, just to name a few, there is so much to do. Join Friends of the Earth for a day of creative action, uh, sorry, creative community action training to get skilled up and run effective grassroots campaigns. And fundraising film night, Who Bombed Judy Barry? A documentary um, we're screening this Friday. The uh, new cinema room at Friends of the Earth is on high rotation at the moment. Friday the 26th of July, Judy Barry and Daryl Cherney were Earth First, organisers in California whose car, they were tra- whose car was blown up in 1990 by a logging company and government interests. Judy was involved in the alliance, building between timber workers and environmentalists. Their work helped lead to the protection of thousands of hectares 
of Redwood Forest. So come along and watch that film screening on Friday night at uh, Friday the 26th at 7 p.m. till 10 p.m. So that's not this week, the week after. And finally, uh, to close up the show, we've got a couple of songs for you. We're going to be going out on Wet Lips. Can't take it anymore. So we'll see you next week. Play guitar!